Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And it's a new Survivor season, Survivor 44. Evan, how are you feeling being in a new era of Survivor? And Well, I guess we're in the new era. How are you feeling about being in a new season of Survivor? Same era, new season. <laughs> Same era. Uh, drop the... F- where, where are we at? Now? I don't know. I was, trying to, like, I was trying to come up with a drop, yeah. though, but I couldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we've like moved away, like because we're no longer the beast is gone, right? Uh, yeah, monster. Yeah. It was a monster, like, I think. Excuse me. Oh, sorry, sorry. The mon. Yeah, 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 yeah. The monster is gone. Drop the is gone. We're just kind of like in forty four. Um, I have to tell you, I did not watch the episode live last night because I was out and I was in the car home last night. And I was like, oh, I'll just go on Twitter. And the amount of people, and I'm not talking just like, you know, the highs of the world. I'm talking like actual like people that I follow and and and, and care about. They were tweeting incessantly about Survivor. Like people I didn't even know watched Survivor, let alone tweeted about it. Uh-huh. And I was trying to avoid it. Like it wasn't even people that were doing like hashtag Survivor. It was like people with like, you know, memeing it and whatnot and talking about all these unprecedented things that happened. So that got me really excited. I went to bed last night being like, I'm going to wake up. I've got a new survivor. And then obviously we spoke about this on the Patreon, but like you had heard a lot of rumblings about 44 kind of like being really, really great and, you know, potentially being up there with 37. And I was, I, yeah. So I went in really excited mm-hmm. and that's how I went in. Um, How did you feel about the episode? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's how you went in. Uh, no comment on how you came out, but well, it'll come out. Um, but I'm here. I, I, I will, I'll say this much, that yeah, I, I have heard rumblings that production is very, very happy with the season. I will also say that it's always very hard to judge a season, a season especially of newbies based on the first episode. Uh, especially, I, th- I think even going back to, I mean, I do think David versus Goliath had a great first episode, but I think that there's plenty of very good seasons that don't start off great. And absolutely, I'm open to this being a great season. I'm hopeful that it is because we have to talk about it every week. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that it is coming out of 43, which was not so great of a season. And I think that there is potential, but that, I was disappointed that they spent a lot of time not developing characters in this episode where uh, I think an interesting way to frame this conversation might be this TikTok that Jeff put out. They've been big on the TikTok. And maybe that's why, like, I always was wondering, do these social media campaigns by Survivor work? Do they get people watching? Because they really went hard this year. They had Monet Exchange yesterday. Uh, They had young Sheldon (laughs) the day before. Uh, They've been pulling people in to sort of try to get the... Young Sheldon is still going. Who knew that? At some point, young Sheldon is not going to be so young anymore. At some point, it just becomes the Big Bang Theory, right? Out of my ether of (laughs) things I can't even think about. Give me young Lydia Tar or bust. (laughs) That is a show I would watch. 
Mm-hmm. But all that to say, I do think they've been doing this really big push. And one of those TikToks that they did was Jeff giving us four reasons uh, or four things to look out for in the Survivor 44 premiere. They were, in order, dynamic players. That was number one. Number two was a new way to get an idol. Okay, we did see that with the birdcage. Uh, we saw medical visits, an unprecedented number of medical visits. We definitely saw that. And we'll talk about that. And then an insane tribal council. I don't know if I would classify it as insane, but there's plenty to talk about. Uh, But I would like to focus on the dynamic players because I do think when we did our cast assessment, I think we were like feeling okay about this group of people. And I still feel okay about them. And yet I learned more from our cast assessment about these people than I did from this first episode. I felt like... Uh, we ended this episode with a lot of people really, really underdeveloped. And I'm not looking for, you know, getting to know these people in and out in one episode. But even the key people, I felt like people like uh, Brandon and Maddie, who were sort of central to the vote. Um, Carolyn, even, who was kind of pushed as the star of the episode. I didn't feel like we really got a lot about these people. And again, I mean, like, sound like a broken record, but I think it's because a lot of time is spent, I would argue, wasted on things like the Advantage Island and explaining how these more and more complicated advantages work. Uh, Some I still have questions about, uh, even as like a super fan who thinks that they have a pretty good understanding of some of these advantages. I felt I feel some of them are like quite confusing and they have to spend time on that. And uh, so I'm not sure, Jeff, that we saw the dynamic players you told us to look out for in episode one of Survivor 44, but I'm hopeful that we might see them in the future. I think this comes back to something we've spoken about for several seasons now, which is that the three tribe split makes it so that you have, are having to divide your time so much more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for instance, one fifth of the episode is tribal council. So whereas if you did an even, you know, two tribe split, you'd at least be with half of the new people in the episode, but you're without two thirds of the cast at tribal who are already, as you say, underdeveloped. So there's just so many, so much people managing to do and only so little time, except for the fact that this was a two hour premiere, which we can talk about. Um, but you know what I think about? There's a moment in uh, the season two of the comeback and Valerie decides to take uh, a class at like, I think it's Upright Citizens Brigade. And one mm-hmm. of the things that the improv instructor, cause Valerie keeps wanting to sort of like talk about the improv you know what i mean and why is this mm-hmm. person doing this and do you mean this or should i do it this way and and the teacher keeps saying uh don't tell me valerie show me show me and <laughs> i kept thinking about that line throughout this episode uh both because and i think this has become sort of a staple of the modern show we just got so many talking heads in which people talked about who they are versus mm-hmm. it, we got you know there was that one moment in the water with the one tribe when they were you know getting the mud off of them and they were kind of going around and talking about themselves but for the most mm-hmm. part it was still a lot of like talking head um ex- exploratory explanatory i don't know you know talking yeah. head stuff exposition um, exposition yeah that word um but yeah, there just was a lot of uh, sh- uh, a tell me and when we could have used more show me. But I will say, like, I don't, I have a better, like, I have a good vibe about this season overall, but I I'm, I think that's more like my desire to 
for it to be better because this wasn't a bad premiere by any means. And there's a lot for us to talk about. And I, I, I think that there are a lot of potentially exciting characters. I don't think that this show, this episode took advantage of its two hours smartly. Yeah. But what's funny yeah. is it's like, you know, you have that opening moment with her name. Is her name Carolyn? Yeah. And like that was such a break in format. And I was really hyped at the outset because I was like, oh my God, maybe they're going to sort of change up like uh wait what do they call what is Dalton Ross is it flourishes uh flourishes, flourishes yes I was like there is potential for moments like this to really come in that are just really small details that really upend the show as we the super fans know it that aren't necessarily like rooted in like advantages or anything like showy it's just something as simple as that but we didn't it didn't really deliver on like the possibility of that moment mm-hmm yeah, that's a really good point because I loved that moment as well. Seeing that, yeah, it was so great, Carolyn. Yeah, and just like I mean, you imagine. I mean, they use Carolyn because she has huge reactions and she's so larger than life, and she's a good sort of proxy for. She's a good exaggerated, exaggerated proxy of the audience in that moment where it's like, oh, how does this work? Yeah, I don't. I've never really thought about how the confessionals work, and like, uh, oh, there is another person there. They're asking questions, like, and you see, like, a little bit. Of, it is that another evolution of the breaking the fourth wall, which they really tried in forty one and forty two, kind of gave up in forty three. But I like seeing these behind the scenes sort of moments. And she was a good character to do that with. Uh, obviously, we can't have that with like every character to see like, okay, well, how are their confessionals going? But there are other things they could probably do with regards to that. And, uh, you know, I think back to, and I know it's not like super fair to compare season one to season 44 of this show, but having just rewatched Borneo for the Patreon, uh, there's so many moments there where there are confessionals that are spur of the moment confessionals right where you have players just on the beach going about their day talking to the camera about what they're doing and i love those and i feel like that would be something interesting to bring back that's in this vein of playing with the format of confessionals okay this makes me think there's another moment on the comeback i believe this is season one um (laughs) when valerie's daughter-in-law comes in and says that she's gonna take that she was like she's like i'd like a ride to school with you valerie her stepmom and not her father yeah yeah. and valerie becomes overwhelmed with emotion because it's like a big moment in her life and she starts uh talking to the camera and then she said she says and then she realizes that she can't stop and talk to the camera because francesca has to get to school so she's like okay well we'll do we'll do this moment otf on the fly so she starts walking down <laughs> yeah. the stairs and delivering this monologue. And then all of a sudden, the camera person's like, well, I think this would look better if we actually shoot it from the other way, that we're at the top of the steps and, and you're walking down, blah, blah, blah. And so what began as like this authentic moment of like yeah. emotion being captured becomes like a, a very like produced moment. And it sounds like what you're saying is like those, those OTF moments are really so powerful when the person is, instead of like reflecting on the moment, they're within the moment. And so you get a different kind of authenticity um, yeah. Again, we, we we talk about this all the time, but we I always come back to that moment in Gabon with Ace when the elephant is behind him, and you just he turns around and and he turns back to the camera, and you just get this genuine moment of like ecstasy from him that would be totally different if he hopped into a, to a talking head later and was like, by the way, earlier today you wouldn't believe it, I saw an elephant. No, we see <laughs> yeah. him see the elephant. Yeah, we see it with him. And that's what's really fun. And that I feel like that is the kind of thing that it Bring that elephant brings back. that 
Yeah, bring the elephant back for season 45. Hey, we might be going back to Gabon. Uh, I have to say, there are some rumors flying around the internet. I saw on Twitter that the uh, Survivor's contract with Fiji may be coming to an end after these next two seasons film. Huzzah. And I mean, by that point, we'll be at season 47. <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> uh, i'm exhausted already Ooh. but uh, hey that whoever thought we might be leaving fiji is the sugar shack still intact i imagine it's a heritage location in gabon i mean how fun would it be if they build a challenge around the sugar shack i would love that build i feel like in all likelihood in all likelihood they'll just go to samoa yeah <laughs> where they spent many years filming, but hey, it's I a still slight think that would be an scenery. improvement. Totally, yeah. totally. Okay, well, love that. Okay, what's another thing that Jeff told us to look forward to? Maybe we can talk about some medical visits because right out the gate in the reward challenge that they play uh, to determine who is going to skip the sweat and savvy and who's going to be able to choose which one to do of the sweat and savvy and who's going to be left with the final choice, which I feel like is a little bit of a shakeup from the previous years, but still I could lose the sweater savvy. I think it's a waste of time. Having said that uh, in this one, it's like, also like the savvies <laughs> seems a little lazy. I can't believe that the Ratu tribe, I keep wanting to say Rotu. I can't believe that the well, Ratu actually wait, can we pause here though? Real quick. I don't mean to divert, which is really quick. Yeah, please, I mean, while means. we're, while we're here, what is the deal with these tribe names? Like you can, it's like the, you can pick anything and they go to like, cause even I understand. Yeah. Ratu sounds like Rotu obviously. And also mind you, Rotu is a very famous tribe within the survivor canon. So it's not just like a, a used before a similar to a tribe that's been used before. It's like similar to an iconic tribe. And then Tika, haven't we had, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but I feel like we've had tribe names very similar to Tika. And what's the other I one? I imagine so. Yeah. It's just a lot of like, yeah, can we... Soka, I feel like, is new. Soka feels new to me. But, yeah. <laughs> well, the when the Ratu tribe chooses to do sweat, I'm like, who would ever choose to do the sweat? I couldn't believe yeah. that they did that. And this sweat challenge that they did do of pulling the coconuts back and forth, it was like, why? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure you could ask why about a lot of things, but it was literally like walk back and forth collecting coconuts. Not in, It's sort of like it reminded me of In Winners at War, that great challenge where Ethan uh, was really the star of that challenge, walking up and down the mountain to move logs. Sort of made sense. It had like a really big scale where this was like walk down the beach and then walk back down the beach and then walk back down the beach again. Like it's... um. I would love to be in the whiteboard room for that one where they're like, you know, it would be great TV walking back and forth down the beach. Whereas walking up and down a mountain, I mean like that, you, there's potential there, you know, you can you, they get their drone shots ready, etc. but mm -hmm. whatever, that's sort of besides the point. I also just think from like an edit perspective, I feel like the show is doing a lot of like, and this isn't unique to Survivor, but the second someone declaratively states that something is going to be easy, on, especially on a show like Survivor, it's like, I think that we're a savvy enough audience to recognize what's going to happen next. Yeah. We might even be a sweat enough audience. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Okay. So wait, sorry. It's Ratu is the name of the tribe? Ratu. Yeah, Ratu. So we've had Ravu. Like Ratu. 
Okay, well, we've had Ravu, so we're really... We have had Ravu. Ravu is from Survivor Fiji. You're right, you're right. So it's just kind of like, hello. I know, they're running out of words. We need themes back so we can have some words. Heroes, Hustlers, Healers, baby. Hello, yeah, I mean... Well, during this reward challenge, let's talk about the med medical visit, this first medical visit, because it's during this one that Bruce from the Tika tribe, the purple tribe, immediately, immediately upon starting the challenge, slams his head into a log of wood that he's supposed to be crawling under. Uh, It was so brutal. I really felt that one. Actually, I would say that I felt (laughs) of the three medical visits, medical emergencies i felt two of the three hard like i really winced uh and this was one of those blood gushing out of his head and luckily he had jeff to hold him up and take care of him (laughs) and and then everything's kind of like okay with uh, they're sort of like okay you're fine you're fine in fact bruce go and take over my job survivors ready go so it all seemed like it was uh, gonna go fine for bruce here i thought he just had a little cut on his head I think that this was trickier than, I mean, this is, I guess, what happens when you have a medevac on day one, but like, we don't know Bruce, and the his own tribe doesn't know him, So this, and the injury is not that severe in comparison to injuries we've seen on this show before, so I think all of those contribute to somewhat of a nothing burger, because it's like, I don't know Bruce enough to care whether or not he goes home, neither does his tribe, and I also don't have the standard compassion that one feels when they see someone really like hurt in a tribe, excuse me, in a, cha- in a challenge. I mean, I, I always think back upon, uh, what's his name in the, the in Philippines? No, sorry, not in Philippines. They brought him back for Philippines. The guy oh, that passed out in the challenge. Russell Swan. Russell Swan, yeah. Like that is like so just yeah. incredibly sad to watch. Also because it's like he was giving it his fucking all. Like, you know, like emptying the tank, as Jeff would say. This is sort of like one of those like an unfortunate incidents. An that, accident, that happened. Yeah. yeah, an accident, yeah. Which is not to say like, I, it's not, I'm not saying I don't feel bad for him. Um, but I think it made it for, I think that like, what what the show wants this first episode to be, what, rather what the producers want this to be, is like an unprecedented amount of of like injuries, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that might be true, but the manner in which these played out was like not epic. When, when If we want to talk about like epic, uh, a situation like this, what is it, Cal Wrong? Yeah. Where they have, yeah, where it's like literally, it's as though everyone, it's like a mass death is happening in Cal yeah, Wrong. Dropping and it's like, like they don't, yeah. Yeah, and like the and the medical team doesn't even know who to attend to because so many people are injured. Yeah. So this just didn't have that. Also, does it surprise you that, you know, you have that one crew member come over and he's like standing and holding the umbrella up? And I'm like, wouldn't they have like a little mini shelter? Because the number one thing, if someone is injured in any challenges, you've got to get them out of the sun. Like that's standard. No matter what the injury is, like sun is going to be bad. The fact that they don't have some sort of like, you know, like a medical tent. mini shelter. Yeah, medical tent, exactly. Is just surprising to me. Or at the very least, like can't like, you know, get one together real quick. I just was like watching this guy holding up like the thing. And I just was like, this is where we're at. Uh, I was like, okay. I think they were doing that in Korong as well. I think they had a bunch of people with umbrellas. I think they even had to get 
uh, I think they had, they talked about getting sound, like the, the boom mic holders to stop doing that and hold other things to create shade. So yeah, maybe they could use that. But yeah, I, uh, I mean, like the other thing about this is that, is this something that survivors should be promoting that like an unprecedented amount of people are getting hurt on our show to well, some extent? Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, like, and, and the case with these was like two of them were kind of pure accidents. I mean, one was avoidable, uh, but two were pure accidents. And then one was dehydration, which is like, okay. But uh, the, the, the thought of promoting the episode like this is like, I, isn't it people's jobs to make sure that these things don't happen? And then what is it saying about the production of the show if you're promoting the show by saying these things happened? Right. It's almost like I had this moment when, pardon me, listeners, you know how this is how I am in the beginning, when the barber was climbing <laughs> up the rocks. Matthew, yeah. And I had a moment where I'm like, should production be allowing him to do this, knowing that they're witnessing something that is very unsafe, that like this is, can go one of two ways. And if it goes the bad way, it's really bad. You would think they might want to step in just the same way as like there's parameters around where the contestants uh -huh. can go, which I don't know uh -huh. is all is rooted in their safety necessarily. But still, it's like I would imagine like if you see someone, especially these people have worked on the show for many seasons, they know the island better than these players to know mm -hmm. that like you're not going to want to climb up there. It's dangerous. It was just odd to like that. Everyone was just standing there watching that play out. Um, I would just think from an HR standpoint, it'd be like, no, 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 don't go up there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like what a precarious rock formation he chose to climb up to. Like it looked like bad news from the start. And what was his, what was he, what was the hope that he was like doing <laughs> up there? Because what's, you know, in the past we've seen yeah. people trying to climb and get the coconuts, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you understand mm -hmm. the intention and was it, not, is it Ozzy or, but Ozzy actually got them. There's, I don't know, there's someone from the past where it's like really freaked everyone out by how high up they were getting. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And then he was like, Super passionate, and I waffle back and forth by the fact that, like, I appreciate the passion. I do. Mm -hmm. And I get, like, I I can understand that sort of, like, you're here, you want to prove yourself, but it's, like, prove yourself in a moment where it's, like, worthy of proof. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not the moment to go balls to the wall. Because I almost I, thought, like, d does he think there might be an idol up there? Which would be a legitimate reason to climb up there. And, like, it's a rock for me. I, we've seen all these beaches a thousand times now. They've been there for 10 right. plus seasons, right? And so, you know, I don't recall seeing this rock formation before, but it's possible we have. But, you know, if you're out there and you look at it and you're like, oh, that's an interesting thing that's an interesting landmark would be a good place for an idol or an advantage of some kind i could see that but that's not how this moment was couched it was couched as like i'm not having a midlife crisis i'm having a midlife adventure and therefore i'm gonna go climb an adventure and uh that, so like that's not a good enough reason i think to put yourself in that much danger i think if it was something to do with the game where you're like convinced that there's an idol in there and that could be your safety in the game that makes a little bit more sense to me but it was really just kind of a a, a doofus moment a little bit <laughs> yeah and then i felt like to move on to the third medevac and not a medevac but uh the third medical incident was in the immunity challenge where brandon he just needed a little water and shade have we ever had an incident like this in the past where someone was injured and then sat out of the challenge as the challenge continued on interesting question 
Well, I, I mean, like, recall. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I mean, th- things like in in Korong, like the challenge did continue. It did carry on. Uh-huh. But um, did people sit out or they just they got back in it? Oh, sat out and then came back to the game, you mean? Because there was obviously like a yeah. medevac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Because usually the only moments I can think of would be that they're actually medevaced during the challenge. As opposed to being mm-hmm. medically sat out. Did you sit right. or were you sat? Hello. I do want to share something that I read on Instagram today from Kobe from Survivor Palau. And he had some thoughts on mm. the medical issues going on here, uh, particularly this Brandon issue in the challenge. He said, P.S., a new school gripe. The person who just got to sit out at a challenge because they needed shade and water, um, I could have used that in Palau many a time. Seems unfair to me that 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 person got to rest and get fluids as everyone else had to continue. Give everyone water and shade, medically evacuate them out, or leave them alone. Just an old school player being grumpy here, back in my day. So that's very much to your point. That I think there's validity in that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not looking for anybody to like get themselves in serious harm, but there, there is a point there. It's like, are you going to medically evacuate them? Yeah. But there is validity to that because it's like either you're going to medically evacuate them or you're going to let them continue in the challenge. But yeah, there, there's something that to that, to, to, to the sitting out. Right. And also just, I, I, I imagine there's other instances in which somebody that was in a chat like okay for instance the one that comes to mind for me is like when they used to roll that giant ball uh-huh. um, the giant like rock formation it's like challenge. i can imagine when you're yeah when you're part of a challenge in which it's like truly just the entire team doing one thing together i can imagine just being like i'm pretty exhausted right now like our team I, like you look around at your tribe you're like we're not gonna win this you're like why don't i sit out like Mm-hmm. Not that again, and I'm not saying like his injury wasn't legitimate or whatever, but I'm just saying it's a it's an odd precedent to set. It's one that if you're not feeling up for it, you shouldn't do the challenge. I'm not I, I'm not saying I have the solution here, but I'm just saying since we've never seen it, it is one of those ones where it's like sh- I guess my instinct was let's pause the challenge until he's good to go. Mm, yes, yes. But then again, yes. but but then again, you don't know how long that's going to be. The other thing I want to mention real quick, not to jump ahead, but when Jeff showed up at the island later that night, mm-hmm. um, you ha- you had to wonder. It's like obviously it's the middle of the night, so Jeff's asleep, and I just would love to know the series of events that took place where it's like, did someone go in and like tap Jeff, like, and was like, wake up, wake up, like, we need you there, and also like, do we need Jeff? Like, what does Jeff add to those moments? I know it's, like, part of him wanting to always, like, be there for any sort of, like, big moment and potentially have, like, an exit moment with every contestant. Yeah. Um, but that I just wondered, it was, like, I wondered about the timeline and just how everything played out. And so totally. every I'm, time Jeff's, like, yeah. I just, I need to sleep. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't have it in me right now. Can yeah. it wait till the morning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that... <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to laugh about Bruce's medevac because it's not about Bruce, but it's about Jeff. That shot of him running down the beach was so unhinged because we so rarely see Jeff in night vision and everything is sort of, uh, we're, we're every, there's a new light cast on the face and uh, wow. <laughs> uh, wow. 
anyway, so I do feel like I don't think that it was that late at night because they were kind of doing stuff. I feel like it was just getting, yeah, everyone seemed like they were like just yeah. dark. So I don't think Jeff was like yeah, quite in like... bed yet. Mm-hmm. But he was probably enjoying a meal or something. And he was like, oh, fuck. I bet. <laughs> but he, it is nice to have Jeff there for any exit. I mean, it would be strange. Cheese. It would be strange for the medics to just be like, okay, so you're out of the game. See you later. Right. That would be odd. It was also odd that that at the immunity challenge, because that happened the night before the immunity challenge, and that they all show up there and like, okay, so to catch you up, like Bruce got medevaced, and Jeff is like, and by the way, he's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, what? He's fine? And then you think about uh, Australian Survivor, where they have this thing in place where they have they have 24 hours where they can remain in the game but get medically taken out to get checked out. And it's like, if if anything that they require medically takes longer than 24 hours, then they are pulled from the game. But if they just want to go check and see, like, Bruce, are you okay? Do you have, uh, is, is your brain bleeding? Or did you just hit your head and, like, we need to tend to this cut? Uh, because if that's the case, you can just take him out, take him to the hospital. 12 hours later, he can be back in the game. Right. And I feel like it's not a big and deal. And it's not as though he got some sort of like, it's also not if, from the players that remain in the game perspective. It's not like, oh, Bruce left the game. And in that 12 hours, we formed a whole new alliance yeah. and strategy. And he was given this, he was fed. It's like, it's not like that. It's like, we're all still in the game here. Yeah. And even if that was the case, put it in the show. Like, it's part of the story. Exactly. And yeah, great. it is what it is. But uh, I, I did think it was interesting. So we, this is our second... This is our second Bruce medevac. Yes, it is. And it's... Interesting fact. It's also our second Bruce. Every Bruce to play Survivor has been medevaced. Wow. I was going to say Bruce Willis, don't play Survivor, but um, I don't think I'm oh, play Survivor. No. <laughs> yeah, forgot. Uh, so Is there another okay. Bruce? Bruce Valanche? Oh, I would love... Bruce Springsteen? Wait, is Bruce Valanche still alive? Yeah. I thought... He passed. Oh my god, did he? No, it would be bigger news. You would I don't know think that. it would be bigger news. Um, he's alive. Oh, thank god. I saw Bruce Valanche once at, at, at uh, the Abbey. I bet you did. I was starstruck. <laughs> I think he, I was gonna say he frequents there. There has to be a word that's like uh, supersedes frequents. So, uh, I mean, yeah, something between frequents and lives. <laughs> He works there. Mainstay? <laughs> yeah, he works. <laughs> I mean, not no. <laughs> He's getting work done, I'm sure, there. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> let me, we can uh, talk about the new way to get an idol that, that Jeff was promoting. So all of these tribes go and they check out their camps and some of them are doing the sweat and savvy. And uh, uh, very quickly, all of the tribes find a birdcage with a bag hanging in it. And they kind of take different approaches. Uh, I think the Tika tribe just kind of looks at it and they're like, oh, what should we do about this? And uh, whatever, we'll just leave it. And I think the Soka tribe, there's a little bit of uh, a disagreement. I think, you know, some of them want to look at it. Some of them don't want to look at it. And the Ratu tribe really wants to get into this thing. And so they all agree to split up and figure out how to open this birdcage with a key. And so they go looking for a key 
And lo and behold, Brandon finds a key. So Brandon is paired off with Maddie. And I think it's really interesting how all this plays out because Brandon finds the key and he tries to hide it from Maddie. But Brandon's wardrobe choice here is like white sweat shorts, which probably the worst piece of clothing for hiding things in pockets because that key was like the biggest ball. Is that a key in your pocket, Brandon? <laughs> or is but... Bruce Valanche happy to see you? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so annoyed right now because my Zoom is frozen and I can't see you. So it's like I can't share and oh. laugh as much as I'd like to. What is going on? I know on I can't. I, haven't, I can't see you the whole time. Oh, that's it's sucks. the fucking this. It's this hotel which has this. I could I could barely watch Survivor this morning, and I I called downstairs to be like, "Is there a high speed Wi Fi option that I can pay for?" And they said, "No, ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they actually say, "Ma'am." Yeah, they did all my life. Yeah, I've gotten that all my life. No. You're getting misgendered on the phone? Yeah. Oh my God. I've gotten misgendered on the phone. That was like the basis of my child. There was so much shame around answering the phone as a kid for me because my mom's friends would always call. Are you ready for this? My mom's friends would call and say, Amy. And I would say, no, it's her son. That used to happen to me. Really? I swear okay, to God. Okay, so you've been misgendered too. Yeah, but it hasn't happened since puberty. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> I know it's funny because it's like I still have those memories of like the, it's one of those moments where like you're correcting someone and they're so embarrassed, but you're yeah, so embarrassed. But you're and way so you more this, embarrassed. Like, collective yeah. embarrassment. You're way more embarrassed and you can't like, you can't commiserate together in the embarrassment because you're no. coming at it from different angles. Totally. And like they and feel you awful, but like move you on. don't want them to feel awful. Exactly. You're like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I'll go get Amy. <laughs> Wait, or rather, <laughs> I'll go get Amy. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. No, I'm sorry we don't have that yeah. option, Mr. Valanche. Okay, so <laughs> let's... <laughs> Uh, let's get back to the birdcage because uh, so Maddie's like very aware of what's going on here. And I feel like we've really lost a gem with Maddie. And we talked about this in our. Yeah. But she really had, I felt like almost Angelina potential. She had a really good presence about her and like a little chaotic. This yeah. And like that she kind of like calls him out. She's like, well, did you find something? Did you find something? And then he's sort of having to realize, like, okay, okay, like, there's nothing I can do here. So now I have to, now I have to pretend to re-find it. Uh, and so he's stuck sharing it with her. But then this is like, this is what made Maddie such a good character is that she then goes, okay, well, should we keep it a secret? So she was calling him out for trying to keep the secret. Then she wanted to be in on the secret. And then he's like, no, 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 no. And then I like the fact that she was savvy enough, to, at least again, savvy, that she was savvy enough to pick up on the fact that the reason he wants to share it with everyone is she mm -hmm. was able to understand that, oh, okay, this means he doesn't trust me because not everyone would pick up on that. Yeah, totally. And that's like good information that she can use. And also it's information that she has that he might not be aware of. Like he might not have realized the tell there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like yeah. it could have really worked to her advantage. 
Totally. And so he opens it in front of the whole tribe because he doesn't want to be in a secret alliance with Maddie. And there is an idol in there. So they have a hidden immunity idol, which is not so hidden. And then it also comes with a fake idol. What do you make of production putting fake idols into the game? Um, I just don't think it can work because I think 44 seasons in, anyone, and this this even happens later on in the episode when those two players are talking during the challenge and they're like, oh, there was the letter with the blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just think people are aware of the fact that like, you need a letter to, with anything, not just idols, with any kind of advantage. It's like, show me the, what is it? Like the, not machinery. Show me the tag and everything so I can confirm this purchase. Okay, but wait, what about this? Because I'm pretty sure that this would work. Let's say I find, let's say I find the key. I manage to open the cage, get the idol out. Nobody's seen me. I take the real idol and then I take the fake idol, wrap it up in the paperwork of the real idol, put it back in the cage and hide the key in an obvious spot so that somebody else thinks they've found it. Fabulous. Unless that paperwork actually spells out that there's a fake idol. I don't know if there was two pieces of paper that was like, this is a fake idol, or whether like the actual paperwork for the idol I think there'd be one. Yeah. I feel like if there were to be two, it's almost like they're being, the production is making it like too easy Mm. to do what you're saying. So I feel like there's gotta be like, maybe you rip the paper or like you, there's gotta be yeah, some element where like it. you're risking a little bit other. Yeah. If there's two pieces of paper, it's sort of like, just feels like they've basically handed you this insane. Everything offer. you need to fuck somebody over. But I mean, I like the idea in theory of like, for instance, like, I don't know. I, I, I like what they're getting at with this. I do think it's fun to introduce something like I like the idea of introducing fakery, but I'm not sure this is quite there. But like, they're, I'm not, I'm not opposed. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea generally of the birdcage idol. Uh, I kind of like this concept of it's not right in camp; it's around camp, and so people could keep an eye on it, but they're not staring at it all day long. And so, if you want to get it, one, you've got to be finding the key, which doesn't didn't seem that hard to find. Like it was kind of in the area, uh, and then mm-hmm. you have to find a moment. Like I've always loved when an idol is hidden in the shelter or under the shelter or buried in the middle of camp. Uh, I like that you have to take yeah. that risk to be completely exposed and try to get this thing. So I really I like the concept that they know there's something in there. It's probably an idol. And that somebody could get it. You could walk in there one day and it's missing and nobody knows who has it. Or somebody's replaced it with a fake idol. You know, like, I think there's a lot of options here. And I kind of like it being out in the open. I don't, I think it flopped with this first opening of Brandon getting it and sharing it with the whole tribe. Because it's trickier that they don't know what's in there. Because then to open it in front of everybody, I get, I get the inclination to do that if you're sort of stuck in that position. But uh, it sort of makes the whole real idol, fake idol thing flop. I also think that, again, we're here in the premiere episode of Survivor and going back to what you said at the outset about feeling like we didn't really get a lot of character development, I feel like to introduce new elements in episode one is jumping the gun a little bit because 
we're just both the players are new to this, but also we, the audience, are reacclimating to this show. And even if we've watched it forty three times before, that it's still just like, oh yeah, remembering the mechanics of the show and everything, and getting to know the new cast. I feel like to then introduce several twists, um, I feel like it was a little soon. Yeah, agreed. Can we talk about, before we move on from the birdcage idol, I just have to point out that when the Tika tribe, the purple tribe, was looking at theirs, we had Jam Jam sort of like trying to trying to grab at it with his fingers, which was fine. But this shot of Carolyn, who was still covered in mud from the challenge oh, and then yeah. licking her lips... Yeah, because it, it was kind of at like once like... repulsive, but I could not look. It was it was repulsive, but fascinating. Yeah, what, which makes me think: What are you thinking of for the screen grab for this episode? That. Okay. Yeah. I well, that, that. so I was thinking that for the story, but I did have one <sighs> for the grid. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I. I, like I did that. have one for the grid of Jeff holding the sword and shield immunity idol, which I think I did see easily takes the cake as worst immunity idol in Survivor history. Yeah, because we've had really bad ones in the past that veer into camp, and which I like. Mm-hmm. And this veered, this was just so earnestly bad. This looks like Zelda cosplay. It looked like it was made of foam. It's strange that they're doing sort of a, a an art directorial theme, but not a theme of the season. And this is a unique mm-hmm. theme. They've never really done this before. This sort of like medieval knights and chess sort of theme of tribal council. And then that's paired with the sword and shield immunity idol. But I feel like if you're going to do a sword and shield, do a real sword and shield. I mean, the, the sword and doesn't, doesn't have to be that sharp. Need to- but doesn't that need to play into like the overarching theme where it's like thinking about like David versus Goliath. That was like, that theme was intrinsic even in the tribal breakdown. I feel like if we're going to do this sort of, if we're going to get this theme, it's got to, it's got to be holistic. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like it would be nice yeah. if this tied into like, like certainly artistically, everything sort of aligned more or less. Mm-hmm. What it has to do with living on an Island in Fiji is beyond me, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we could have had a theme uh, some sort of like chess based theme or like round table traders theme you know something mm-hmm. like that by the way haven't watched the traders reunion yet i haven't i read all online that everyone's like resentful about suri oh perfect not sure we needed a reunion <laughs> but suri looked fucking gorgeous and also just like the Housewives fan of me was like just so excited to see like a visual of like Sari at a couch with Andy Cohen. You know what I mean? It's like who would have ever thought we would have gotten that? Totally. It's insane to think. And I don't even watch what happens live. I know that you're much more on the watch what happens live than I am. But seeing Sari on watch what happens live is such a bizarre colliding of worlds for me. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Have you? No. Has it happened yet? Yeah, it happened uh, Tuesday, I think. Okay, we'll I'll I'll tune in and we'll we'll touch down on that the next time we record. Um, I did want to say briefly while we're talking about Carolyn. So I don't, I'm not seeing mother status um, quite yet, but I'm open to it. But I think that one thing that I was picked up on Carolyn like right away is that like just how much Caroline. Carolyn, excuse me, self-identifies as a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think some of the great weirdos of Survivor past 
know, coming back, I think the first real weirdo we got was Susan in season one. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what what's so great about Susan is like in Susan's world, that she's that she Susan's world is surrounded by other Susans. It's the second that she's taken out of her world in which yeah. she suddenly realizes how different she is or or how gruff she is, blah blah blah. And so I just feel like the amount of awareness that Carolyn has about who she is and the fact that it's from what she's conveying, she's always sort of been seen as the weirdo. Not to say that I'm not invalidating that that's her truth, but I, for me, my, my, I have a proclivity for weirdos that like have never known they were weird until putting in it, put in an environment like Survivor and around other people. Yeah. And they're like, suddenly, oh my God, you know, it was, a, it was a great example of that. God, I haven't thought of her since I watched it. Remember that blonde cowgirl from like the late 30s? Oh, yeah, of course, Elizabeth. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. Elizabeth, great example. Um, yeah, so even again, like with the Shambo, it's like who I, who I know is the, I think, the immediate comparison when it comes to Carolyn. Shambo, um, who is the star just, of, of episode one of Survivor 44. Shambo jump, really jump scare. Not only a Shambo jump scare, but it was Shambo and Natalie White. Natalie, wow. Um, it almost seemed like a mistake that they were like, oh my God, it's like, <laughs> we'll put this clip in until we find the right clip. And then they were like, well, go, go. Um, yeah. So anyway, so it's not to say that I, it's not that I don't think Carolyn is weird and I am invested in her and I definitely think she's like a fun character, but in order to get to mother's status, I feel like, and again, it's day one, two, and three. So mm -hmm. I, I understand mm -hmm. that everyone's sort of getting used to things and, but like, even when she was mentioning like the, feeling a little bit ostracized, mm -hmm. it's like, I go back and think about um, our girl Christy from Amazon. It's like, we've mm -hmm. seen real like uh, effortful ostracization of outcasts. Like we have seen mm -hmm. people make an effort to disclude people and shut them out. With Carolyn, it's like she clearly had a connection with um, the medevac guy. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's only four other people and it's day one, two, and three. And it's not like there's like a lot of game to be discussed. I just was like, Carolyn girl, like give it, give it a beat. You're not like, you, you've got this. You're not like yeah. on the outs. I don't think anyone's like conspiring about you. Maybe you haven't made immediate connections, but even the fact that she went and approached the woman that won the savvy thing, I was like, you've got it in you. Like you have the, you understand that in order to make it far in this game, you have to have, you have to forge connections. And like, that's, so I was like, you've got it. You just need, she needed a little pep talk is what I felt. Yeah, exactly. I think she's got a lot of potential. She's obviously great in confessionals. She's unusual and she does stick out. Uh, again, like we said this in the cast assessment, it's not quirky to say you're quirky. It's not punk to say you're punk. But uh, that uh, that I will overlook because she actually is delivering on it to some extent. Um, she is sort of a unique yeah. confessionalist and I appreciate that in a world of a lot of cookie cutter sort of confessionalists. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy that. I think she's got more to give. I think that obviously when her tribe goes to tribal, I think it might be like, it might get kind of chaotic because they've got some big uh, personalities on that tribe. Like they've got Jam Jam, they've got Carolyn, they've got Carson who started going to the gym uh, before he went to Survivor, which is a very inspiring backstory there. Uh, gained 30 pounds. Good for him. He did. I Yeah. No. <laughs> it was giving me flashbacks to that Xander backstory we got in Survivor 41, where he was like, I used to be oh, yeah, skinny. Running. Now I'm hot. He wasn't lying. <laughs> um, 
I did, though, think uh, because Carolyn, I guess, is the closest we're going to get, I think, to an older woman archetype on here. Um, and it did just make me like, I mean, obviously, this is a, a, an ongoing complaint we've had about the lack of like older people. And I did. I know we noted in our cast assessment, this is like a very young cast. But I just like... I do. I guess I'm. I'm have. A, I'm having a hard time seeing mother potential, and it's not because of like the lack of like women that I'm gonna root for. It's just I think mother. You have to. There's a certain even us calling like discerning like Carla as mother. Carla was like a little young to me for like mother mm-hmm. status. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you got. It's like for me, fifty plus. But even like. 55 plus. Um, there are exceptions though, right? It's like Sarah Michelle Geller is mother and she's a very young mother, but because she's been in the canon for so long, she she's started got like 25 she years started, of yeah. work. Yeah. So I guess she was, maybe it's like she's she's a young mother. She's a young mother. Can I just say, not to deviate, and I'm not uh, even giving myself a pat on the back, but you saw the Pedro Pascal Mandalorian clip with the Sarah Michelle Gellar thing. Uh-huh. So like I texted Sarah on Saturday and I was like, I was like, sometimes I'll suggest uh, social media posts to her. And I was like, I think you should do something because Pedro's trending right now. And obviously he was on Buffy and, and I keep seeing people sharing that clip and I was like, it's yours to own. And then she responded, she's like, yeah, okay, I'll do a man crush Monday. And she did the post. It totally went viral. And then Pedro was asked, even unprompted, like brought it up. Oh, he was told about it on the red carpet, but then like unprompted Mm -hmm. in a follow-up interview, they were like, what do you think about the fact that you're like now a zaddy? And he was like, well, what I am thinking about is Sarah Michelle Gellar, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I like kind of like maneuvered that moment. And I'm like really (laughs) proud of it. (laughs) And if I don't share it here, you know. Yeah, where else are you going to share it? Tree falls in the woods. (laughs) I know. And... Look, that you're you're a s- social manipulator almost. You could be on Survivor. I could, but if there was no discussed. cameras, I, I know. Was say. <laughs> I know. Maybe one day, if I, maybe one day, if I can get an Ozempic prescription, and the results, <laughs> if I get to like a Kyle Richards level of success in terms of the effects, maybe we revisit that conversation. Survivor, get out of my swamp. Now, do you think? <laughs> Because like I know they allow like they allow like asthma like would they allow myozempic on the island? Uh, but then again, to... wait, actually, I don't really need the ozempic on no. the island because I'm not eating on the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put a trigger warning on this episode. Oh, really? No, well, not actually, but. <laughs> <laughs> I never know. I never know. (laughs) If I haven't put a trigger warning on any of the other episodes, I think we're good. Um, Okay. Well, can we talk about another person? Uh, I would like to get your thoughts on Mother Potential here on uh, the Soka tribe, the Green tribe, because we have Pittsburgh Heidi making her debut, starting fire, picking the fire up with her bare hands also. Yeah. There's and a Pittsburgh connection, Josh. I was going to say, it's Pittsburgh. like it became a, pl- a plot point. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Pittsburgh, hello, in the house, we're rooting for her potential mother. It's, it's just one of those things where she's like, people are people don't, it's like people might not expect, blah, blah, blah. And I just have to say, like, as a viewer, it's like, I 
do expect that from her. Like, I, it's almost like one of those things where it's like, I'm not surprised that you're so good at this game. Or like, I'm not surprised that you can build fire and you're so self-sufficient. And the, so, I, and, and I, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's me or that's her or what have you, but like, it, yes, I'm obviously very proud of her and I'm glad that she did that. And that's, and that's incredible. And, but like, I didn't get the impression that the, like the other five people were like counting her out. Like I get the impression that like she was like, I can make fire. And then five minutes later she made fire. And then everyone was like, great, we've got fire. Yeah. I don't think it was like this, like the monumental moment that we've had in the past with some people who really the building the fire is a huge moment in like the development of their sense of self or their sense of place within the tribe. She was kind of giving us the, like, I'm the underdog. They're going to count me out. And again, it's just, I was like, I'm not counting you out, babe. And I'm not sure they would either. Like, I think you seem like a formidable, like, opponent. Yeah. Um, Maybe that'll be the story is that she, she, like, she assumes that people count her out. But maybe she, uh, maybe the self-confidence will get a boost through the course of the the show. Maybe that's what, that's what needs the boost. But yeah, Uh, I mean. Pittsburgh's in the house. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate that I mean, like, it's not unfortunate, but it's it's unfortunate that we spend so much time with the tribe that goes to tribal because I'm really interested in getting to know the Soka tribe because I think there's really interesting people here. Totally. And sorry, just while we're on the Pittsburgh beat, real quick, I do just Mm want to mention. So, to our knowledge, what is her name, by the way? Heidi, the Pittsburgher. Heidi. Heidi, to our knowledge, is the fourth contestant from the Pittsburgh area. When I say the Pittsburgh area, I don't know if this is like this in other cities, but like, I'm not from Pittsburgh technically. Like I'm from mm-hmm. South of, it's like, but like we, it's called Allegheny I know County. you, I know you Pittsburgh. gave out your childhood address on the podcast here, so. Oh, I did? <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, Heidi is the fourth Pittsburgher on Survivor to our knowledge. The other three are winners. The other three are, are, <laughs> <laughs> Um, are what's her name? Jenna uh, Maraska. <laughs> Jenna Maraska. Uh, 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 Amber. <laughs> Jenna Maraska. Amber Mariano. I can't remember her her maiden. And Borgage, Rafe Judkins. Yeah. Whatever. Rafe. Yeah. So the Rafe, point is, the Rafe, point is the pedigree winner of Survivor Guatemala, a season that happened. Um. Wait. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm incorrect. I wasn't I being funny. It was a joke. Oh my god! No, it wasn't a joke. Oh my god! <laughs> I thought you were erasing Danny from the canon. Maybe I am. Which that is wasn't funny. My intention. Oh my god! Sorry. Okay, sorry. Rafe wasn't even in the final okay. two. I give up. <laughs> you know what? In my memory, he's the winner. Yeah. I swear. Well, he won at life. Okay. He's, uh, he's working. Anyway, for but needless to say. Needless to say, yeah, uh, he's so busy he can't even come on Drop Your Buffs yet. Although I do think, <laughs> I have a feeling he might be a listener. Hey, Rafe, if you're listening. Um, okay, sorry. Two winners, one deserving winner. And so Helen is, it's it's a good pedigree. Heidi. Not all winners, though. Heidi, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Should we wrap this up? It's like, you gotta replace me. It's like, I'm not fit for this. I can't, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> I genuinely was like teeing you up for the best joke ever because I knew you were going to say the thing about Rafe being a winner. And I was like, that's why you had texted me this joke about Rafe also being from Pittsburgh and them all being winners. And I was like, LOL, that is so funny. But in your mind, I was like, LOL, what a coincidence. It was like almost an undeserved LOL. Do you know what I mean? In your mind. 
Yeah. And then now yeah. I was like, I'm going to let him repeat the joke. I'm going to set him up, let him knock down the pins. Uh, and uh, it was perfectly set up for a great punchline. And wow, did we get one? Okay. <laughs> okay. Also, though, from the Soka Tribe, I'm loving Claire. Claire, my winner pick from our cast assessment. I really liked that in the immunity challenge, she used her sit-out opportunity to do a little strategy chatting with uh, Matthew from the Ratu Tribe and sharing information about what happened at Advantage Island. Um, so I really liked that from Claire. But then also the big story here from this tribe is that Jeff has been teasing a showmance this season, the first showmance since David versus Goliath. And I think we know who it is. It's Matt. Remember the hot nerd, Matt? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Matt and Franny are the suspected showmance. Who, by the way... I'm going to call, well, yeah, I think that was made pretty clear. Um, I'm going to be calling her Franny Waller-Bridge because she has big fleabag energy. <laughs> okay. Also, Franny is queer, right? And I thought she had a girlfriend, but I've done some more wow. research and it appears she does not have a girlfriend. So, but she might have a boyfriend now. So we'll see. And I'm both. keeping my eye on Franny. I thought Franny had like, I, I mean, everybody, it was short but sweet for everybody, but I felt like Franny had a little bit of a, a good showing here. Like, I think she was shown in a good light. Okay. Maybe we should talk about Advantage Island because it's really confusing and I want to get it out of the way. Okay. So Sarah's going to Advantage Island for Tika. Matt is going for Soka. Lauren is going for Ratu. Now, again, we have this whole charade of go and take this hike, get to know each other, and then go off in your different directions. That's all well and good, but I guess it's not going to work out every time because in this episode, they didn't even show them talking to each other. Like, we literally got zero uh, of these people talking to each yeah. other, which it's an interesting time in the game. Like, you're meeting other people. They're not on your tribe. Like, I'm not looking for everyone to make deals, but it's a good time to get to know people. But we had no time because we had a lot of very complicated advantages to explain, which I don't even think explained very well. So each of them is going over. Do you understand how this works? How this all went down? No. No. So they've changed but I also, the like, way. I, oh, yeah. Or you don't care? No, it's not. Well, well I, I don't care. But I'm happy for you to explain it because I know some people do. <laughs> okay. But I will say it's like I now have my lens on when it comes to the modern show and when it, when it introduces the twist. There was a time, as I'm sure listeners of this podcast know, where I would like try and unspool it in my brain. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. My brain doesn't work in this way for this show. But I understand that there's a faction of people who like love this aspect of the game. So now my approach is I just go smooth brained during this. But like, yeah. I want you to explain it because I know there are people out there that do care. Okay, so I'm going to explain this. They've changed the way it works where you're not just risking your vote or protecting your vote anymore. You're also not getting together and deciding who's going to put their hand in a bag. Now you have to put your hand in a bag. And you're either going to get an advantage or you're going to lose your vote. If you put your hand in the bag and you get an advantage, great. Good for you. You can move on. If you put your hand in the bag, and everybody has a one in three shot, right? There's three things in every bag. One thing is an advantage, and two things are a lose your vote. If you put your hand in the bag and you pull out a lose your vote, you lose your vote at the next tribal council. However, you can take another shot and go for uh, a second 
chance at getting an advantage. If you put your hand in there a second time and you get an advantage, you still lose your vote at the next tribal council, but you also have the advantage that you won. If you put your hand in there for a second time and you get the other lose a vote, you've lost your vote at the next two tribal councils, which to me is extreme. Um, and then the the most confusing thing about this one, and it is amazing to me that the Advantage Island is just getting more confusing because I feel like there's been a lot of talk about how this is a confusing aspect of the show for casual viewers to come in and like wrap their heads around. And this is, I think, its most confusing iteration yet. And so not only is that the way that it works, but also we saw that the advantages that are possible to be gotten, received from these bags are different for every player. And so we saw that Sarah, she lost her vote, but she drew again and she got an advantage. It's a new advantage called the inheritance advantage, which means that she can declare while voting at tribal council in secret that she would like to use this advantage. And what it does is it secretly allows her to inherit any advantages or idols that are played at that tribal council. So let's imagine a scenario where um, knowledge and power is at play, okay? Knowledge and power is at play and somebody says, hey, you, I know you have an idol. Give me your idol. They get the idol. They play the idol. If Sarah happened to play her inheritance advantage that night, she would inherit not just the hidden immunity idol that was played, she would also inherit the knowledge's power. If somebody had cast an extra vote, she would also inherit that. So this one is potentially really powerful if you know when to play it, which is the big question, right? And then that nobody knows you would have these things. So they would all, tribal council would just play out, I believe, would just play out as normal with all the advantages and idols played. And then the next day in your bag, you would have everything that was played at that tribal council. Okay. It's kind of like knowledge is power, except you don't have to have the knowledge. You just have to, your timing has to be right. Um, but then Lauren gets a different advantage. So she gets, I think right out the gate, I don't think she's lost her vote at all. She gets a bank your vote, another new advantage. So in so she can choose any tribal council to do this. And she happened to do it last night at the first tribal council. Instead of casting a vote, she chooses not to vote, but rather save that vote for the future as an extra vote. So now Lauren has an extra vote that she can cast at any tribal council by giving up her vote at, at the current tribal council. So... Who knows what was in the third bag because uh, we didn't see that. Matt drew twice and lost two votes. Do you love it? No. No, me neither. Okay. <laughs> so. My only thought through that monologue um, was that <laughs> I just think increasingly there is like a split in terms of like, and not to say there's not some crossover here, but between like, fans of the strategic survivor and fans of the social survivor. And obviously I think we can see that they are moving more toward, towards the former, right? Like the strategy based. And I also feel like in, when someone says they're a super fan of survivor on, on survivor, you get the impression is like they're 
in it, the, the, what they mean by that is that like they make 3D models of the challenges and that like they want to collect idols and like game really hard. You never get like a super fan. Oh, I guess we do have one on this season though who's like, I'm a fan of Courtney. Um, mm-hmm. Someone that's just like, you don't really, un- the, the social game is not really celebrated as gameplay. Um, and so I think the show with these, with these uh, twists and turns and whatnot really just seems to favor that aspect. That's why going back to my girl Heidi, Heidi, um, Heidi uh, being an uh, and we, I, I've said this. I'm sure you've said this time before. It's like being an underdog. There's no such thing as being an underdog on Survivor. It just doesn't exist because underdogs do so well in the game and historically win often. Um, season two being the first example, like that. No, having muscles is as much an advantage in this game as it is a disadvantage in the game because you get targeted, et cetera, et cetera. So again, I'm not saying nothing that we haven't heard before, but I just think that I'll never be someone that's interested in more twists. No, it's not, it's not only now that there's like more twists and advantages. It's like the advantages themselves get even more complicated in their explanation, yeah. which is something you can tell that someone like Jeff and the producers like revel in. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there is a faction of the fandom, if not an overwhelming amount, that love that. I will never be that fan. I would argue, though, that there's... I don't think the split is as simple as strategic versus social. I think Fair. that you can love the strategy of this game, but I don't think all of these advantages necessarily appease people who are watching the show for strategy. Because I think these actually interrupt strategy in a lot of cases where you look at, and and, and again, not to bring this up constantly, but you look at Australian Survivor. Yes, there are idols. Yes, there are advantages. Not nearly as many. And they're not nearly as critical in the strategy. But it's some of the most complex and riveting strategy I've ever seen going on in the current season of Australian Survivor. And I think that's how you do new school. It is possible to sort of have uh, like to straddle that line of, uh, you know, new new machinations in the game, but maintaining the basis of the strategic game, the social game, and having that be riveting television. So um, I just don't think U.S. has figured that out. Okay. Well, I don't think we have to say a whole lot about the immunity challenge. I think it's not my favorite challenge. I mean, the fact that they have to like boat out to a buoy for no particular reason and then just come back. Uh, bizarre challenge I setup. I thought it was this way fine. about this and the opening challenge where I was like, I would have thought, again, we're opening 44, something a bit more epic. Yeah, yeah. It was feeling a little lazy to me, but okay, that's fine. Uh, I think the big takeaway here for me was the Claire and Matthew uh, uh, sit-out bench chat because I really liked that. But Soka and Tika win and Ratu is going to tribal. I do think that what was going on here before the vote was interesting because Maddie was doing such a good job pulling together the vote against Brandon. And I think that her reasoning was sound. It was very, like, he just got an idol. We all know about it. The chances of him playing this idol this early in the game at the very first tribal council, slim. It's now or never. I think that she did a really good job. I mean, we did see that Brandon was like, what's she talking to everybody about? So maybe she was a little too uh, out in the open about it. But I I did appreciate her approach. And I think it was probably the best option for all of them. But then 
I think it was these shot in the darks that really screwed things up here because Jamie, for no reason, our our multi-level, wait, what is it? <laughs> multi-level marketing uh, queen is wanting to use her shot in the dark, announcing the use of her shot in the dark even before Tribal, but then at Tribal in front of Brandon. And I think that that's what triggers him. That's like, okay, so she's saying her vote isn't going to matter in the grand scheme of things. And it's not going to change anything, but she wants to play her shot in the dark with no explanation as to why she's feeling nervous. I don't get it. And then you have Matthew also playing his shot in the dark. I feel like Jamie's shot in the dark, I don't get. I do feel like Matthew's was that, because he was aligned with Brandon to some degree because they did the sweat challenge together. And I think he saw the vote going that way. And I honestly think he didn't want to take a stance. I think he wanted to see what everyone else did. And so I think that he played a shot in order to not vote, which is like, I don't really respect that that much, if I'm being honest. Like, I just don't love that as a move. It's a little bit of like a cop out. And then to waste your shot on that. Like, you're not, a, it, I, to me, it's like you play your shot if you know you're going home. Otherwise, don't play it. Because that's your only shot. You can only use it once in the entire season. So uh, we've got two of them playing it. And so as a result of that, plus Lauren banking her vote, we only had three votes cast. Whereas they could have done a split vote and Brandon's vote for Maddie wouldn't have mattered. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they really mishandled this one and I was really disappointed to see Maddie go, but it was also the first successful idol play of the new era. If you can believe that I can. where, where Brandon had the most amount of votes to go played his idol and saved himself. There have been other idol plays, and I think you can argue the effectiveness of them. But in terms of strictly saving yourself from going home, I believe it's the first one of the new era. I do think, though, if we're looking at, like, this episode, just this episode, right? It's like, statistically, so much happened, right? Like, mm -hmm. these Oh, our first, our first safe, our first uh, shot, one of them was safe. Shot in the right? dark, all these yeah. things, and, like, all of them were so nothing burgers, despite yeah. the fact that like so many things happen on paper, which I feel like it's not my favorite specter <laughs> in terms of what's to come. Again, yeah. still optimistic about 44, but there is something about this episode where like on paper, it looks so good. It's like, well, Shot in the Dark finally works. We get an idol found and played in the first episode. We get yeah. a medevac. We get like a, a challenge that is stopped because of an injury and then continues and blah, blah, blah. A, a potential romance. And it's like all of this stuff, it's like, mm, okay. But in the end, it's like we lost a girl that we really thought had some potential. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And it's like, Jeff is really excited that finally, after four seasons, the Shot in the Dark works. Right, it's our first safe scroll from the shot in the dark, but was it effective? No, Jamie had no votes against her, so it didn't right. matter. So, was it a successful use of the shot in the dark? No, it was just the first time someone pulled a safe scroll, right? Which is kind of a, a anticlimactic for the shot in the dark. But maybe the sit, maybe we're going to start getting a whole bunch of uh, safeties from shot in the dark. Maybe that's why this is such a crazy season. Um, okay. Well, I am really, really sad to see Maddie go home. Remember, she quit her job to go on Survivor. Hope I take it back. Yeah, me too. Uh, I have to say, I, I, I haven't mentioned this, and, and we're wrapping up here. I went to see Survivor uh, at an event last night uh, hosted by 
Bryson Wendell, believe it or not, uh, both very, very nice. Danny was there from the season who we haven't really talked about, uh, but I really enjoyed talking to him. And I watched the whole show with his sister. It's got a very interesting story and the reason that he is on Survivor. So uh, that was really exciting. And the big takeaway that I do have to share is that Jatia from Survivor Kagayan, do you remember Jatia? She spilled the rice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She didn't spill okay, it. Yes. She poured it. Uh, icon. She is iconic. And uh, we had a great time together. She works in nuclear. I work in nuclear. So got, we're, we're LinkedIn friends now. So... <laughs> Look forward to me working for Jatia in the future. So I just wanted to share that. And here we go. We're ready for a new season. I'm I'm ready to see the showmance evolve. I've never been a fan of showmances, but you know, Franny, I'm interested to see what she does with that. She's not a typical showmance kind of girl. Um, I liked the showmances in uh, San Juan del Sur. Are those showmances? I mean, they're romances that were on the show. <laughs> You're talking about like pre-existing relationships or? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I don't think pre-existing relationships. So, so a showmance is defined by like it happens on the show. So like Robin. Yeah, and I think there's a there's an insinuation that a showmance is for show as opposed to okay, a well, true Okay, well my romance. favorite Survivor showmance would be Spencer and... Did he date? <laughs> Which the Spencer? The gay, Spencer the gay. Oh, Todd? Yeah, like Spencer and, Spencer and Todd dated, but they weren't on the show when they dated. Isn't that qualify? <laughs> no, it doesn't qualify. Okay. I feel Fine. like, so our Fine. last Survivor showmance was Kara in David vs. Goliath with Dan, I want to say was his name. The like cop kind of douchey guy, which then of course she dates Alec after the fact. But uh, that was our last Survivor showmance. I think Figgy in Millennials vs. Gen X was part of a showmance. I certainly think Boston Rob and Amber count as a showmance, right? Like, certainly. Probably the most famous showmance. Wait, so are Kara and Alex still together? I believe they are. There was some question, but he was in Italy during the filming of White Lotus, and I assume it was with Wait, so- her. So there are a couple that have both been on the White Lotus. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, in one of my, because for those that don't know, I'm now in correspondence with Mike White. And one of my, I sent him a series of questions in one of my emails that I'm asking him to answer. And one of my questions was if he's been thinking at all about which Survivor contestants to include. And would he break out of, can you hear that? Yeah, it sounds like Mike White is sending the authorities to shut you up. Jesus. Uh, if he would branch out of uh, DV- DVG. Um, mm. so. But let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, sounds like Evan has to go. Uh, <laughs> you think you'll get one phone call? Don't call me. Call Mike White. Uh, okay. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out the Drop Your Buffs Instagram page where I'm going to be posting something from this episode and what will people comment on that evan do you remember this game we used to play yeah what people, <laughs> people should a chess comment. piece Let's for the tribal council I, I almost wonder if that chess set at the voting booth if there's an idol and like one of those pieces in an idol wouldn't that be fun that's interesting i'm not I'm, the chess you're not piece into that thing. too obvious um no can we do the plunger 
is that like uh is that like the sword of uh, is that is that meant to be the sword part of the immunity idol um where does the punter come from i think i would leave it to the viewer to discern or the listener to discern the meaning oh boy okay oh all right well so that's what we'll do and go check out our patreon which by the way the results are in on our next rewatch season but i feel like we should have a discussion offline before i announce it okay well, the winning season that we had like some top vote getters. Officially, the winning season is a season, Evan, you just rewatched. Okay. And I know you've already expressed, like, I don't know if I want to like just rewatch something I just rewatched, if you're going to get anything out of that. We'll so talk. let's talk. Let's talk and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to move forward. Uh, but you can go check out our Patreon. We just finished our Borneo recaps. Lots of great stuff going on there. And you can get the interview, the video from our interviews. By the way, we've got some potential great interviews coming up that we just need to schedule. So look forward to that. And with that, I will wrap it up and say thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.